Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about strip till and see if it's a useful soil management tool for Wisconsin corn and soybean production. We're also going to talk about Extend Again. Some more details have come out since our last episode. Our spotlight will look at where we are with GDUs after some warm weather has found its way to Wisconsin. Ag History Minute, we're going to continue to talk about the dairy state for June Dairy Month and the Dairy Production Stabilization Act of 1983. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll talk about some current events. So with me today are Todd Schomburg. Hey, everybody. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilt Agronomy. And joining us in studio today, we have a special guest, Derek Potratz. Howdy, guys. And Derek is going to talk about the strip-till study that he was a part of and the article of, that we're going to discuss he is the author of. So, But before we get to that, we're going to do our second June Dairy Month challenge. Da-na-na, da-na-na. <laughs> is that the official... <laughs> I think I might do a different sound effect next week. Oh. We'll see, see how I thought it would be a moo sound or we, something like that. We need that. to get like the, the keyboard for the old NBA theme. So last week we did the milk chug, chocolate milk chug. So this week we are going to do a cheese taste test. So Bill, you picked out our selection here. I did. I failed so miserably at the milk chug that I figured (laughs) we're not going to go liquid this time. We're going to go with something, something solid here. So for the listeners out there, you know, obviously can't see what's going on here, but we have a selection of six different cheeses i have in front of my fellow podcasters here and um they're gonna take the test and one at a time and they're gonna tell us see how good they are with their cheese tasting on what flavor of cheese so a couple layups here first gentlemen first one being the it's gotta be a cheddar i'm gonna go mild what do you think medium mad or or, uh, what Mm. kind what kind of cheddar are we talking Definitely not sharp. Oh. Depends I, what kind of sharp, sharp you get because um, <laughs> you get the high-end stuff. It's a lot sharper than what you get at the store in like cheap packaging. We are talking to the dairy products champion. Yeah, third place third place in the world, <laughs> Derek. Very timely time for me to be on the podcast. So. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to call it a medium cheddar. So these are all from Sargento. So oh, they oh, I didn't know that. That does help. I thought this was Crystal Farms or one of those. No, that's a medium. That's a Sargento medium. I'm pretty sure. I did take a picture. I'll post it on Facebook so you guys can see our our samples here. I I was doing it with the cracker and that wrecks it because then the cracker the the cracker's for after. Oh, that's the that's the yep. So you're close. It is the Sargento sharp cheddar. That is the number one. All right, on to number two, gentlemen. Sargento, you got to leave that sit a little bit longer. It wasn't quite as sharp as I expect. What's this? Oh, the Swiss? <laughs> that was an even, even bigger layup. Gee, is that, do you think it's Swiss? That? I don't know. It's got a could, hole in could it. Could you tell from the so. hole? <laughs> Maybe just cut it weird to trick us. All right, we're going Swiss. What's the next one, this one? Easy there, Chief. Swiss, yes. All we're down. All right. Showing everyone the Swiss. Yep. evidence. This one, Todd. Third one. Ooh, okay. All right. Number three, we've got the uh, 
some additives in here going with pepper jack without even tasting. Yes, some uh, red and green additives there, gentlemen. Yep, definitely tastes like. I didn't jack. go with the the extra hot pepper jack. I just went with the your standard standard. Throw it on your sandwich, pepper jack. The standard is the standard. Yep. This fourth one is my favorite. It's good on grilled cheese. This one looks like a provolone to me. Any pasta salad, throw it in there. Pretty dang good. Circular in nature. Don't know why. Ooh, Derek. Gouda. Gouda. Derek, do you know why it's circular in nature? Yeah, it's provolone. Just the way it is, Bill. Yeah, yes, good, Matt. Pro- it's that good provolone. Provolone. Very good. All right, the next two are not. So we got five and six here. I'm thinking number five is gonna. Yeah, this one's a light. Gonna get you all here. Orange it's, color. Matt thought it was American when I put it on the plate, but it is definitely. It's not a craft single. You just. It's not it a craft single. Is it a brick? Is that even cheese? No, it's real cheese, not fake cheese. Is it like Colby? Mm, I don't think it's mm. Colby. We had it a lot as a kid, Todd. Farmer cheese. Mm, close. We did have farmer cheese. Quite I said a bit. Gouda before, but I don't yep. know. It was Gouda. Nice Gouda. Gouda. That Gouda was pretty Gouda. Gouda. Gouda is Gouda. <laughs> and the last one, I wouldn't have guessed, but Matt, you got it right away. It's, it's, oh, this, it's the stripper. Uh, it's it's the Minster more. cheese. You can tell by the. Or Munster. Minster. <laughs> 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 As the inappropriately named cheese would be. It's the, the light orange around the edge. It really gives it away. It's Munster, even though it's spelled Minster. Like your the same as my relatives. Your relatives were Minsters, yeah. So there we go, everyone. The six cheese challenge. Got all but five. All but one, I should say. Gouda little gotcha there a little. Yep, the Gouda was a tough one. Shout out to Sargento. That was good. Yep. No free ads. Not a big uh <laughs> not a big Gouda eater, so I was what? unfamiliar with that cheese. Will you eat it again, Matt? Yeah, it was fine. Just not in my normal rotation. <laughs> What's your normal rotation of cheese? Cheddar, Colby Jack, mozzarella. Pepper Jack. Pepper Jack. You got to go with the sharp cheddar, like the sharpest oh, yeah. of the sharp. I, yeah, I like aged sharp. cheese, so yeah. I, I eat the stuff that they seal in wax for years, nice. like five-year-old cheddar. Six, yeah. It's like $20 a pound. I don't think it's quite that expensive, but so next week do we do the cheese taste test again? But go like soft cheeses only. Ooh. So we have like mascarpone, <laughs> like some real brie. soft stuff. Yeah, yep. Ooh, a little cream brie. cheese. Just throw it in. <laughs> you get like the Philadelphia like whipped cream cheese <laughs> with chives. Like you'll never guess the old Kakana cheese wine flavored oh, uh, port wine. Port wine. Port wine. Kakana yeah. cheese is the best. There, um, one of my wife's relatives was in Germany. And at a bar, and then they had, you know, crackers with cheese. And he's like, oh, this spread's really good. Where do you get it? Um, and he lives in Kakana, and the guy brought it out, and it was Kakana oh, cheese Oh, that's spread. amazing. Like, that's awesome. Stuff's like, I, it's I, everywhere. I personally grew up as a Merck's cheese Well, Merck, yeah. yeah. I was a big Merck's, Merck's spread cheese. That's that's what Grandma had, so I mean. The spread cheese is unsung hero. That's good stuff. Easy to get out. Just don't have to cut it. Yeah, it's low low effort party snack. You yeah, know, when, you, when you have to bring like, hey, you're responsible for bringing something. What's the wheat thins? What's better going to a supper club and you get the oh, whole yeah. thing, the spread? You know, the salad up, yeah. bar and there's <laughs> it's a, like it's like is that char- what you missed in quarantine? Oh Bill? yeah, it's like charcuterie before <laughs> hey, charcuterie. That's the legitimate last place my wife and I went out to eat was a supper club, and I 
got the salad bar, the whole works, and the dang cheese spread with crackers. It was amazing. <laughs> that was like, you know, three that, months ago. That meat stuff you get. I can't think of the name. Liver paste? Yeah, like liver, there's another. Braunschweiger? Braunschweiger. Yeah, Braunschweiger, but like yeah. that too. Uh, yeah. That's no, I didn't go there. Liver sausage. Yeah. Didn't go, liver sausage. Oh boy. Yeah, we uh my wife likes to get from the local grocery store Don's it's a combo of like a cheddar cheese spread oh. and then the garlic and that's that's the chive good stuff. like yeah. That's the really good you mix stuff. Mix them yeah. together or they're separate. It's split no. in the container. But ah. yeah, and it comes like from the deli. You're yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. No, yep. that is good See, stuff. We yeah. always we always used to have that like the day you went grocery shopping and then you had the cacana or the Mercs for the rest of the week. Because oh, yeah. it only lasted a day. <laughs> Well, you guys yeah, but pounded it. It's definitely the the earlier you eat it, the better it gets, or like the better it is. Ah. That stuff, it's not doesn't have near the longevity, the the holding, the holding time on some of the other stuff. So, was, so that was day less, one. less processed, less yeah. Yeah, correct. All right, stay tuned for number three. Yeah, next, next week next we got to come up with something, something else for week three of June Dairy Month. All right, so is strip-till a useful soil management tool for Wisconsin corn and soybean production? Now, I'm not just asking that question. There's an article you can read, and we have one of the authors here today with us, Derek Potratz. So, Derek, welcome. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, so good question. Is it a useful tool for Wisconsin farmers? Um, in a certain situation, I think farmers in 30-inch rows have a particular advantage using strip-till. Um, it kind of seems odd to use 15-inch rows in strip-till because half the rows wouldn't be in the row in the strip-till row. But we actually found that using 15-inch row spacing with strip-tillage had our greatest yields in our study. Um, so interesting. So, so you're telling me half of it was not like was a right. no-till and yeah. half was strip-tilled. Yeah, so if, if you actually go to the article, there's a there's an uh, image in the article that kind of explains what is classified as in the row and in in between rows, and and in our 15 inch row spacings, half of our rows were actually in the non strip tilled part of the of the field. So kind of an interesting concept. Uh, I think a lot of the the reason that our 30 inch row spacings did better than uh, 15 inch in strip till is because um, in that strip-till row, there's a lot better emergence of our soybean plants. Uh, and you guys know when you get into a cornfield with that heavy residue, um, getting that residue away from soybeans as they emerge is pretty huge to get emergence. So I think that contributed to our greater yields in the 30-inch strip-till. Derek, you want to give us some background on how you did the research and what, how many years it was and just some of the methods you used? Yeah, so the the study was started uh, actually a year before I got to Madison. Um, they actually started the study because a grower down south in southern Wisconsin uh, had been seeing that he'd been using strip-till and soybean, and I think he was actually using 15-inch in 30-inch strip-till, 15-inch row spacing soybean. And he'd, be, he'd been seeing this yield response to it, and the university had been saying that uh, using no-till and 15-inch has been kind of the recommended use, uh, but he was seeing this yield benefit from strip-till. So that's how they got the idea, was actually from grower interest, um, and I just kind of took it over from there. So the study consisted of strip-till, row spacing, 15-inch or 30-inch, and then 
also deep banded fertilizer or surface applied fertilizer. So those were the three treatments involved. Oh, and then we also had a, a infrafungicide treatment as well. So uh, the study took we had three years of data total in the study, and um, I recorded penetration resistance in the strip tiller row and outside. Um, canopy closure during the season, which was probably one of the more interesting things I actually saw was uh, recorded canopy coverage throughout the season every week, and we've just recorded what treatments canopied fastest. And kind of interesting was that in 30-inch row spacing with strip tillage, we found that that actually canopied faster than 15-inch row nah, spacing. you're joking. Yeah. yeah, take a look. Yeah. Wow. Under our canopy what, How coverage. and why? And I think, again, going back to that emergence, we had just, just better emergence, the and those and those plants were quicker out of the ground, probably by a whole growth stage in, wow. okay. in some cases. So, so Oh, was, you heard it here, breaking news. <laughs> yeah. 30-inch row. Yeah. Can, so that can, was 30-inch strip till, so the ones in the till. Right. Yep. yep. Was faster than 15-inch. Yep. No-till. No-till. Right. Okay. Wow. Did you do any type of residue measurements to see how much that was impacting? We didn't. No, okay. we didn't record residue. Because I know I've seen that in, in no-till situations where the amount of residue left over can sometimes inhibit those plants, especially early on. And I think I think that's what was contributing to that, Matt. The other interesting results that I read that I thought was – you gave it probably just one sentence, but I thought it was unreal of of what it said. But soil temperature, no differences in soil temperature were observed between strip-till and no-till plots for any date during 2016, 17, or 18 growing seasons. That was also shocking to me that you'd have no diff- – I mean, versus a strip-till that you'd, you know, get a little more darker soil and – I can you explain that a little bit I, more than just the one sentence? Yeah, and if I did the study again, so what that data is coming from is it's actually an average soil temp- temperature from every day. Okay, so throughout the grow- whole growing season? An average or? temperature from every day. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's not If you were to take time. hourly soil temperatures, though, oh. you would absolutely see differences between okay. um, your strip till and no till. Um but this was an average throughout the day, so you might have a, a big rise in your strip till and then a big Bigger fall at fall. night. Yep. But that average is going to be fairly consistent. So, yeah. Okay. So that's probably why, if I would have gone back and done it again, I probably would have recorded hourly soil temperatures, and that might have gotten us differences. Uh, but again, that's this is throughout months and months of, of data, so that would have been just a ton of data that... Yeah, would I think, have been difficult to... I think it's interesting that you saw that too because it's something we've been seeing in no-till situations is that the argument that no-till can warm up just as quick. You know, a lot of guys think, oh, no-till, it's going to be too cold. You know, the soil won't warm up. Um, and it sh- seems to show that, yeah, you're you're getting comparable temperatures. And now the other side, what we are seem to be looking for is, is it keeping the soil cooler with like a no-till or a strip-till in the season than a full tillage system where... In, in July, you're saying, right, is like it where On those 90-degree days, does it keep it closer to 70 instead of the soil warming up just as much as the air temperature and, and killing the biology in the soil and, and hampering the crop that way? So, yeah, I think that's interesting data there, so... 
Derek, it talks about the soil penetration resistance. So you must use like, you know, basically a penetrometer to kind of see how tight the soils were. Um, just give us a generalization what you saw with that. Yeah, the penetration resistance data, basically we found that it that using strip tillage in the row, in the strip till row, we decrease penetration resistance compared to no-till, which, which we would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and my results were pretty consistent with a, a it wasn't quite a plow pan per se. It wasn't enough to be restricting to roots, but uh, you could definitely see the plow pan, which was interesting to see, and um, just kind of confirmed that strip till reduces penetration resistance in that rooting zone, essentially. Should I ask this before? Were these strip till in the fall and then again redone in the spring? Or was it just spring, or what was the timing of the strip tillage? The this study was all in spring. Uh, I did have another study that we we looked at fall and spring strip till, um, and we didn't see any differences, if I remember correctly, between those. So, all right. Anything else that you think stands out that we should uh, mention about this study? No, I think I think the bigger takeaways are that if you're if you have a strip till unit, don't be afraid to throw beans in the strip till if you have 30 inch rows, um, and then if you're if you're still using 15 inch row spacing, it's 15 inch row spacing and no till is still kind of our standard recommendation. We didn't see a we didn't see a significant difference between 15 inch row spacing and no till compared to 30 inch row spacing and strip till. So you're not taking the yield hit from using strip till and 30 inch row spacing um but for environmental reasons like erosion uh protections and things like that we still recommend using 15 inch and and no till derek how did the the banded fertilizer come into play you know that's a big talk in some areas of getting that deep banded fertilizer and even i get the question about do we even put fertilizer on beans do we broadcast it do we band it you know, how did that work out in the study? Yeah, there wasn't, if I remember right, there wasn't a yield benefit to banded, banded fertilizer. I think it was in a interaction there was a benefit to it, but there wasn't a single, like, banded versus surface-applied fertilizer. We couldn't test that because there was an interaction. But um, if you can band your fertilizer, I definitely still recommend it uh, just just getting our fertilizer under the ground, protecting it, um, and keeping it away from erosion. Derek, you want to give a shout out to any of the other authors in, yeah, in the, um, the Cool Bean program? The whole Cool Bean program. Uh, I couldn't have done it without Dr. Conley, who is away in Spain right now. Uh, John Gaska at, at UW at Arlington. He was just a great help. Uh, he helped a lot with helping edit this paper and, and getting it through production. Uh, and then Spiros across seas, he's in, uh, in Greece. He was our stats assistant with this. He really helps a lot. And then just the rest of the Cool Bean crew, uh, as long as, as well as Joe Lauer and Francisco Arriaga really helped along the way. So some right. heavy hitters there, Derek. Yeah. Yeah. Some good guys to work with. Yeah. It was, it was a great experience. So I was really fortunate to be able to do it and 
Derek, for your CCA, can you take the self-study quiz and get credit yeah, for this I, or not? I, I think I should. <laughs> Send in yeah. your forty dollars and yeah, here, yeah, we'll you give better, you we'll give you one question, see if you can get it. You better ace it because yeah. it's your paper. <laughs> the self-study quiz got like five questions that to get your CC, the, your certified crop advisor credits you can take. Um, Derek, how much greater was the plant population in thirty-inch row spacing compared with fifteen-inch row spacing? Very specific. Okay. Do you, um, do you, what do you want me to give you the, or you know, right off the top of your head? The options are A, eight. 2%, B, 5%, C, 8%, eight. and C. D. It is C, you're right. I look okay. Got her. <laughs> you can't get anything by this guy. No. <laughs> he wrote the article. You better know the question. <laughs> do you get to write these questions? or do I, No, I did not write the questions. I actually yeah. didn't know what they were until. Here they are. Yeah, so. so no, I thought that was great. We won't give any more away so that people, you got to take the test yourself. <laughs> We're not going to give it a we free We just uh, gave no, them course. 20% of the, yeah, of the five they, questions. They give us like, got to give us like five bucks that back one, here. Yeah, that one was the layup. It's pretty easy. So no, it's really, really good article. A lot of in-depth research here, which is great to see. And yeah, it looks yeah. good. Thanks for sharing with us. I'm going to give a little plug here so people can go read it. It's in Crops and Soils magazine. The second part of this is, will you sign my copy? Ooh. <laughs> Autograph. Are you are you too big time for us now that you're in a magazine? The best part about the copy is it's on the cover, if you look, a little square on the yeah, bottom. See, but the sticker for the address the cover, covers it up. Covers it up. So yeah, oh, really oh, the cover, like everyone's up. Everybody, I want to be the last person on yeah, that. Yeah, right. So Conley's name's in there because he's, yeah. he's last. So no, he, you can see his name. Reminds me of... Um, Monsters Inc. is a kids movie, and uh, Mike Wazowski is the little circle green dude. Yeah, and he's on a commercial yeah. with the other guy. And Sully. at the end of the commercial, he's you know he's like all excited he's going to be on it, but then he's like covered up by uh, like a trademark looking symbol in the corner. He's still pumped that he, he's like I'm on a commercial. <laughs> so you still made the cover, <laughs> but yes, you're, you're right behind the, the address. address sticker. So uh, yeah, you'll have to get a clean copy maybe from somewhere. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Derek. Thanks, Derek. Talking about your study there. So we'll have more on Derek and his tilth research projects as the fall comes, I would imagine, guys, yep. right? Yeah, yep. once we get a little more data. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna head out right now actually and go collect some data in our in our home research farm here. So Woo. All right. All right. So let's move into our next topic here. So we're gonna look at extend once again. We talked last week. The ninth circuit court ordered EPA. To vacate registration of Fexapan, Extendamax, and Ingenia effective immediately. So, we've learned some new things since last week. Uh, if you have some Extend, Fexapan, or Ingenia in your possession as of June 3rd, you have until July 31st to use it up. So, you can actually apply these products, uh, but you needed to have it in your possession as of June 3rd. Yeah, the EPA article, or, or basically they sent out a cancellation order, um, so that kind of just summarizes how we can go forward here, and that was released about um, three days ago, um, June 8th. So it, it was a good kind of helpful for farms to get some clarification on how we can go forward, and they, they kind of have to take into account six different things from a 1991 um, kind of act and how how they change stuff and how they vacate that so 
basically a lot of it came down to um, how are we going to dispose, if you read the article, how are we going to dispose of this product? You know, it's out at farms already. So if you had to truck it from the farm, you know, back to somewhere to dispose of it, there's a chance, you know, it could in in that trucking again that some could fall off and, and be more of an environmental problem. So in a way what they realized is, you know, maybe we're better off just being able to spray what we do have and and go that way. Well, and then what are they going to do once it gets to the recycle place? Now they got to deal with that too. So yeah, just even the costs of right. of getting rid of it. So it was in a way. I think it'll be helpful for farmers that we can still potentially use the technology um, at least for a short time and and still be able to um, you know hopefully use it properly and to the label and and follow all that stuff. So yeah, you definitely you still want to follow the label. So. In Wisconsin, 45 days from planting. So, you know. That's closing quick. Right. It's June 11th today when we're recording this. If you planted on May 1st, you have four days left. So uh, get her going. Which a lot of our soybeans were in the ground on May 1st already. So Um, so even though you have until July 31st to use up your supply, um, it still has to be uh, an on-label application this doesn't vacate the need to follow that label. You would be planting today to use it on July 31st, basically, right? I mean, that's 45 days right from right now. Pretty, Pretty close. close. Yep. Um, I would just like to point out on Twitter, if you follow Rodrigo Worley, at Weeds, he has been uh, tweeting out updates uh, a couple times a day, just updating um, which states have... Um, past waivers and stuff to make it okay to use so it's a really good resource if you're outside the state of wisconsin listening to this i recommend uh, going on there and he's got um the the updates as as they come in so staying on top of it yep he's got a nice color-coded map i've seen on his his twitter there that really easy to read not not over complicated Todd's dropping stuff todd's really excited about the map apparently he's throwing down throwing down the phone getting ready to go so so yeah, so Extend is not uh, completely gone yet, so we'll keep you updated as we find out more. But yeah, the, the best line from the EPA's decision, to sum it all up, is basically their decision regarding the stocks of Extended Max, Ingenia, and Fexapan takes into consideration six factors identified in the 1991 Ending Stocks Policy. Each of these six factors weighs heavily in support of allowing end users and users to use existing stocks of these dicamba products in their possession. But to further reduce potential of adverse effects, EPA is imposing July 31st cutoff date. So, yeah, that was on page 10 of it. I thought it basically sums everything up. Is they took into the positives and negatives and said, yep, I think we should try to use these stocks up, and here's the time frame you have to do that. All right, so there you have it. Keep Keep listening for future updates on Extend. And if you want, listen last week to if you if you aren't going to use Extend of other ideas besides Extend of what you can what you can do and yep. other options that are out there. What your so. options are. All right. So now we'll move into our spotlight. All right. Today we're going to do. A GDU update. So a couple episodes ago, we talked about growing degree units, how we use them, how they matter for not only uh, knowing when your corn is going to come out of the ground or your beans, but for weeds as well. So we kind of discussed different timings of 
when weeds germinate at different GDUs. So we, well, when we uh, aired that episode, it was we were behind by a fair amount. And so let's see where we're at today. Yeah, I have it up here. Do you guys want to take a guess on what we're at? Hmm. I think we're doing better because we've had quite a bit of heat. So we we were way behind. We were at like three fifty last yeah. week, or two was that two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. I'm gonna guess we were ago. in the like five hundred. I'll say five. Five hundred. Okay, Bill. Four eighty. Four eighty. Matt. Um. So we have five hundred four eighty. I'll go in between at four ninety. I'm, I'm gonna. You're gonna go one. I'm gonna like let you guys like know. the Price is Right. Style. I have it. I do have it set for Seymour, Wisconsin, where we're recording, and start date was 5-1-2020, okay? And total GDUs since 5-1 to date, I have 632. Wow. All right. So we jumped quite a bit, but we had a lot of days of maximum uh, maximum units going in, so it kind of makes sense when you think about it that way. Yeah, we've had a lot of that full 80, 86 Degree days and humid and warm here and there sprinkled now in the last two weeks. So I mean, those, those, it's been able to really grow the corn, which is good. I know there's a maximum number you can get, but when it's 90 degrees four days in a row, you know you're getting your GDUs yeah. for the day. You're accumulating oh, quickly. Qu- well, Maximizing. If you, if you look at it in the first, so basically we're at like six-ish weeks from 5-1 or seven, no, five weeks. Basically the first like two and a half, we got our first 300 and then the rest all came in the last two and a half like it was quick so now it's gonna get cold again over the weekend yeah Yeah, i saw that it's crazy yeah we seem to be in this cycle of like a few really hot days rain cool for a few days hot again rain Rain. cold again we're gonna be average temperatures probably for like these months but it's like Really hot, or it's like really what Derek hot. was yeah, just, just talking about in his in his trip till. Uh, and looking at rainfall too, you know, we've had all this rainfall while it's coming in like one day a week where we're getting two or three inches at a crack. So it's not raining every day like it was last year, but yeah, we're just experiencing some interesting weather. That's for sure. All right, so let's move into the, our egg history minute. I love the banjo. All right, today we're going to talk about the 1983 Dairy Act and creation of the National Dairy Board. So the Dairy Production Stabilization Act of 1983 authorized a national producer program for dairy product promotion, research, and nutrition education to increase human consumption of milk and dairy products and reduce milk surpluses. This self-help program is funded by a mandatory 15 cent per hundredweight assessment on all milk produced in the contiguous 48 states and marketed commercially by dairy farmers. In its administered by the National Dairy Promotion and Research Board, the Dairy Act provides that dairy farmers can direct up to 10 cents per hundredweight of the assessment for contributions to qualified regional, state, or local dairy product promotion research or nutrition education programs. So, is this the same as the Milk Marketing Board? I would imagine it's yeah. It's, that's where it started. Where the Milk Marketing Board would have come from was that yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. So there you go. That's as we are the dairy state, and we have a milk promotion and marketing board. Unfortunately, this year 
one of the prime June Dairy Month things was breakfast on the farm. We we're not having any of those this year, but look forward to next year's. I have probably like fifteen little foam cows from the uh, <laughs> the milk marketing board because they give them out at like the state tournaments and stuff in the concession stands. If you buy milk, you get. Uh, oh yeah. So all those years of going to state wrestling, man, I got the foam cows. <laughs> Are you stressed that you need the foam? Yeah. Stress ball. Yeah, cow. that was it. That was it. You know. But it's a cow, so you got to get it, right? I mean. Yeah. And they had they had the uh, the the brown and dark brown, so I mean it was a super chocolate cow, and then Ooh. your standard black and white Holstein. So nice. I got a couple of each. It's <laughs> good. All right, Todd, give us the the business. Yeah, thanks for all the listeners out there, and if you like what you're hearing and you want an independent crop consultant, please visit naicc.org, which is the National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants. In the middle of the screen, you'll find a spot where you can search um, by your area and find a crop consultant in your area. Um, thanks again for listening. Please subscribe. Um, please tell a friend. That's all we ask. You tell a farmer friend, uh, somebody you know that is likes agriculture. And um, yeah, we appreciate all the downloads you give. And if you could just show them what a podcast is, because not many people know that yet, show them what app you use on your phone and um, maybe get them set up with it. And all they got to do is hit download each week. That would, that would be great. So uh, Matt, where can they follow us? So on Twitter and Facebook, at Tilth Talk Radio. And remember, like we mentioned last week, if you are interested in having your question answered, we are willing to give it a shot. So go on our Facebook, go to Twitter, send us a message, ask your question, and we will do our best to answer it for you on air. Any this week, Matt? Uh, none this week so far. Oh, so you, you could be the first one out there. Are you ready to be scolded out there, listeners? No, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. But really, we would love to hear from somebody, anybody, <laughs> good, bad, and different. I mean, we want to be better too. So any kind of anything, just hit yep. us up. Feedback, questions, anything is welcome. So please. You want to you wanna tell me my voice is silky smooth like a <laughs> fresh batch of Velveeta shells and cheese? That's fine too. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to complain. I was going to say silky smooth like Velcro on a carpet, but yeah. Yeah, sure. same thing. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the cool beans, or that's corny for this week. So cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. All right, cool beans this week is Outagamie County Fair announced they are still trying to have the junior, fa- uh, junior fair animal exhibits. So the rest of the fair is not going to continue the carnival and whatnot, but they're going to do some motorsports on the weekends and try to have the dairy show, swine show, all that fun stuff. So so I can't get my beer, better cheese curds this year. Nope, not this year, but you can uh, come and support local dairy 4-H bar? and FFA kids potentially. So uh, I don't think any food service uh, of any kind. Chocolate malt. So I'm not going to get to see Brenda from Brenda's. You know, the lady with the, the big tall, like with the flames on the side with the euros and the good lemonade. Oh, man, that's my favorite stand. A euro and a lemonade a day keeps the doctor away. Guys, quit raining on the cool beans. Come on. (laughs) Okay, sorry. No, you're right. This is the cool part. This is the cool part. It's positive. It's positive because we're still doing something. something. Well, and when you you think about it, these junior exhibits, those are the ones that people are really going to get stuck. You know, the the open class, that's all people showing animals that they're having on farm continuously where these junior exhibits, you're buying a steer in October – I think I never showed steers, but in October and then waiting till the next summer further in October, it was like, well, in the open class, they've done it for years. I mean, they've had their limelight, right? So these these kids, it's good to have their fair animals and their dairy and 
and many, their pigs many, and all that. That's, a good part, many fairs are letting them, like you get a super senior year for uh, all right. for 4-H and stuff, so you will be eligible like one extra year next sure. year again. So that's good. Hopefully that helps because, well, I don't know how many 4-H kids had their fair projects done already. I'm guessing not many because I know yeah. that was kind of the we week didn't. before fair maybe Shout i'll just up. maybe i'll just like not tell my daughter that she doesn't need a project so she gets she it done it. for like Still the week before it, yeah. fair and so then, Todd, you're then we got it for next you're year shouting out to our parents listening you know that, yeah, right. to, that they had to nag us for you know a whole Basic, month yet yeah to basically july to like hey you gotta get that done you yeah. gotta yeah so no maybe you should just act like it's normal get your projects done and then you just got them done kids for won't know year. the difference right no now. and you got nothing to do anyway right now right. so it's perfect i remember that last week before the fair oh. like just being like ah I had a lot of fun with my friends all summer, but my pigs literally just go berserk every time I let them out of the pen, so probably should figure this out before next week. <laughs> and then sometime in August, you had to go, like, do oh, your record, record book, book and oh, go yeah, back yeah. and say, nah. oh, yeah, what did I actually learn? F- uh, FFA kid, we didn't have those. Yeah. Oh, smart man. Yeah. No, my parents didn't want to drive me to any more events, so I didn't join until I was in high school, and then and FFA get- was at the school, so I was already... Or you could drive yourself. Or I could drive myself, yes, by the second year, yeah. So that's why that's why I ended up in FFA instead of 4-H. So, all right, let's move into That's Corny. And our That's Corny in the same line is uh, many other fairs and stock shows have been canceled. So due to the pa- ongoing pandemic, many fairs have decided to completely pull the plug. Um, some are going to attempt to go virtual. Others are late enough in the fall, so August, September time frame, where they are looking to... Um, still hold their fairs, but yeah, there have been many that have decided to just say nope for this year and hope for next year. So and this is where I should have asked if I could get my beer, better cheese curds that yep. I'm not going to okay, be able to get. This okay. Year. Let me down again. Let me down again. <laughs> can, <laughs> virtual. Virtually? can I get a virtual cheese? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. A virtual. It's not the same. Matt. I, I will. I will virtually send you some cheese curds. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe if Brenda's concessions is listening. It's, She'll send me a euro and a lemonade well, in the mail. You wonder if some of these stands can set up at a gas station somewhere. So, you know, it's, yeah, you, you wonder what they'll trucks. do all summer. Can we, can know? we offer up the uh, Tilt like, World headquarters? Yes, for, can, for fair can, food. We'll, we'll have a yeah food truck <laughs> gathering. Have here. a drive-through just coming through. We used to sell sweet corn out front. Yeah, What's it worked. Take, yeah. When you're taking your animals down to the fair, just swing in and see Brenda and yeah. get your uh, yeah. lemonade. Yeah. I think we're on too busy of a road here to. Uh, to effectively get a drive-through going, yeah, we're we just have to do there. a big swing around, have them come in off the highway, and then go out over on the side road there. Maybe we can I, co-op shop go parking. Are many like Culver's? It's still drive-through only, or like yeah. places open up inside or not? Not yeah, uh, so. smaller restaurant like bar restaurants. Yes, yeah, where they don't have a drive-through. I don't probably. think any, f- ma- but like, like I, fast yeah, I haven't seen. I just. Thought they may, but I haven't seen that happen I, yet. Are Marmore places letting you go in and order, but you can't eat, right? Yeah, yeah, like More Dairy Queen that. in town here, you can go in to order. That was the whole time stay. you could yeah. have done that. Yep, and I think like um, I wonder if it's easier. They're realizing like this is kind of nice. We don't have yeah. to like clean up, <laughs> you know, like right. You have to just, sweep up after no, all the and, messy people. And, and even they're they've been way more efficient in drive-throughs now. It's unreal how yeah. good they've gotten uh, it. Like figured out of oh yeah, like Chick-fil- how to get. Chick-fil-A has gotten a lot of good press on how well they they manage theirs. They've got um, so a friend of ours went through and commented on it. They have, I think, like six people with iPads. They take your order. You know, you're not even using the speaker box at this point. And so then by the time you drive up to where the food's coming out, they have your name. Um, they 
they'll print out. They got one guy that's just printing receipts with your stuff on it, and then they hand it and you go. So yeah, the efficiency is definitely way up. Yeah, they're they're really learning how to do it. It's that's, pretty cool. That's the way the Culvers. I don't know if all of them been like that, but the one by my house. That's the way it's been. They the, have the only part they have I don't a like double drive through line with people outside taking your order. Did they have a, like a menu on the other one yet or not? You'd think they could get that figured out of like. Just print out a big banner menu think, so you uh, know the what the people heck. with the iPads have a menu. I, I know, right but it there, just so yeah. you know. Talk, usually, you, you know what you're, yeah, you, you know what you're going to get. First of all, just, Culver's has like seven like meals. Like it's not right. that hard. No, you're right. And I you're, mean, Culver's you're, people. You're a Culver's person, all right. You could literally point somewhere on the menu, and you're going to be happy with whatever. You <laughs> and a lot of police places have apps or websites where you could be sitting on your phone yeah, while you're yeah. waiting, yep. looking up what you want. I know so. the f- I, I know the first time we went through, right when they started with having the extra people in the drive-thru, they were re- they, you could just say, can you read me the menu? Oh, yeah. That's how they, like, that's all it started, yeah. and I think they've figured out a better system since then. But like we went like the first day they had the double drive-thru with people outside waiting, and that's what they were... I mean, not for me, of course, but... You know, yeah. Frequent frequent flyer. They have me on. They just know my car and they oh, got the they order. Go, yeah. What is it, Max? What's your go to? Ah, you're here early today. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things. All Double right. butter burger, Max. Uh, uh, bacon deluxe. Oh, I, I gotta have the bacon. But the big the big switch up for me is: Am I gonna go cheese curds or onion rings? That's where things get tricky. June Dairy Month, gotta go cheese curds. Yep, cheese curds. Yeah, month. we did do cheese curds last night. So awesome. Good job. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. So thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. Thanks, Matt. So today we did our June Dairy Month cheese taste test. We had a discussion with Derek Potratz on strip till from an article published in Crops and Soils magazine. We talked about some updates on Extend and the court case that has vacated registration of those products. In our spotlight, we updated the GDUs for the year. Ag History Minute, we talked about the Dairy Production Stabilization Act of 1983. And in Cool Beans, That's Corny, we talked about fairs that are trying to keep going and some that have canceled. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming. <laughs>